Pacific Shepherd, welcome to Digital Worship This Week. I'm Pastor John Corollis, one of the associate pastors here at Shepherd, and it's good to have you with us as we continue through the end of our series, Planted, looking at the parables of Jesus, his teachings on kingdom, uh, on the kingdom of God, and what it means to live within it as a believer, as one who has faith in Jesus' promises and strives for obedience to his commands and to his instructions. This week we're in Matthew chapter 21, so we're close to the end of Jesus' ministry, and at this point, Things between Jesus and the, uh, the spiritual leaders, the, the teachers of the law, the church authority at the time, have grown to somewhat of a boiling point. The conversations have become very direct. Uh, there's a lot of conflict between what Jesus is preaching and what's being rejected and upheld by the teachers of the law, by the scribes and by the Pharisees. Now, it's interesting, this particular parable has a very specific target in mind. Jesus is speaking into a very, um, very sp- uh, specific situation, conversation, circumstance, and to particular people. And yet, the point that Jesus makes has a beautiful application into our lives as we start to question and, and, and ask the question and answer the question as to what does this mean for you and me? Because even though we may not be church leaders, or maybe we do happen to be church leaders, each of us is tempted to fall into the same uh, pits and pitfalls that the church leaders at Jesus' time fell into and so often found themselves trying to defend from as Jesus made his claims of truth and the arrival of the Messiah, the one who would bring forth the fulfillment of God's promises. So we're going to listen to a rather short parable, again pointed at the church leaders of the time, and then we're going to talk through what Jesus meant by it and how you and I can hear this parable in a way that actually brings us a great deal of comfort from what can seem like uh, something that's a little bit more judgmental, a little bit more critical on the surface. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 21 together. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. Well, tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Okay, so we get a pretty short and yet very precise and cutting parable from Jesus. Clearly, he is making a judgment uh, toward the church leaders. And he presents them this parable, almost this riddle, as to which of two sons was right in his relationship with his father, which one did the will of his father. So the first son says he, will, uh, says he won't go into the field. He denies the instruction of his father, but then he has a change of heart and he goes and accomplishes the work. Then the other son, he says that he will go, but then his change of heart leads him to not follow the instructions of his father, and he never goes and accomplishes the task that his father, working in the vineyard, had laid out for him to do. Now, um, I want to give you a little bit of context to this question, because at the time of Jesus, in the first century of our common era, um, it was... It was a big deal for a father to tell his son to do something, particularly in this Jewish context. For a father to give his son instruction, it was almost like giving a law that couldn't be disobeyed. Um, the, The son obeys his father. That's what the social contract, that's what the family authority, that's what the relationship was characterized by. Children obeyed their parents. And so for the son to say, I won't do what you're asking me to do, was almost as much a breach of 
trust, a, a violation of the, the relationship between father and son as the other son who said he would and then lied and didn't do what he was supposed to be doing. So you and I kind of hear this, um, hear this parable and, and we might think, well, it's the son that just did what the father wanted. At the end of the day, it's what you do that matters. But at that time, not only is it what you do that matters, it's also what you say that matters and the, the way that you treat the relationships that you have. So Jesus almost sets up the, relig- the religious leaders with this, with this um, riddle that if they actually make a choice in either direction, they're missing out on the significance of the disobedience of the other son. Both sons didn't do the will of their father. One kind of corrupted the relationship he had with his dad, and the other one lied to his dad. And so the issue almost isn't about whether the work in the vineyard was accomplished, but what tarnished the relationship between father and his sons. So the religious leaders, well, they may or may not have seen that and understood that. They go with saying that the son who accomplished the task his father laid out for him was the one that did his will. And then Jesus doesn't regard the parable at all after that. He kind of jumps into this very clear uh, judgment toward the church leaders. He says, look, What you need to understand is that John the Baptist came announcing a word of truth. He brought the truth of the Messiah into your lives. He came teaching repentance. He brought about a new season of relationship with God our Father. And he he brought about the reality that if you come to God with a repentant heart and believe in the promises that he delivers, you will have done the will of the Father. You will have accomplished what you need to do, not because of what you've actually done, the actions you've taken, the tasks you've completed, the accomplishments that you have accumulated, but instead, it's about the heart. Are you repentant? Are you believing in the promises? Are you trusting in His work rather than your own? And Jesus points out to the religious leaders, look, you didn't do that. And here there are these people who many would consider to be out of bounds, who many would be considered worthy of rejection from God's perspective. And yet these people with broken pasts, with major issues, with real trouble in following God's instructions up to that point, their lives do not seem to reflect obedient living. Tax collectors who were known for cheating people out of their wages, cheating people so that they could become wealthy themselves, and prostitutes who had sold their purity and their bodies into this, uh, into this harmful and dangerous and, and irreverent line of work. These two groups heard the truth from John the Baptist, accepted what he taught, and repented of their ways, and trusted in the work of God their Father. Jesus, at this point, is revealing that the church leaders have the wrong idea about him and really have the wrong idea about God overall and have rejected the ones that have come announcing the fulfillment of his promises. Jesus goes on to say, you heard the words of John the Baptist and you rejected him. You turned away from him. You have persisted in your stubbornness and in the hardness of your heart. You have not done the will of your father, not only by not accomplishing what he's called you to do, but also by rejecting the ones he has sent. You can see how Jesus reveals the double disobedience on the hand of the church leaders because they are like both of the sons in the parable. Not only did they say no to their heavenly father, then they didn't do what he called them to do. And here's where this crosses into your and my lives. When we look at our own hearts, when we look at our own pasts, it becomes clear that we are a lot like the church leaders most of the time. 
because we have been given God's will, his instruction, his word. We know what God wants us to be doing. We understand the standard by which we should live. We know the Ten Commandments. We know Jesus' two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And we have said, sometimes we do not want to do that. We have said no. Other times we look at the tasks that we do try and strive to accomplish. And yet when we look back at our track record, it just doesn't add up. We haven't done enough to satisfy the standards that God has called us to live for. And so we too can hear the question of Jesus, which son did the father's will, and know that in there is a line that cuts into our very heart and soul as well. It's not us. We haven't been the obedient son. We haven't done what God has called us to do. But we can hear his description of the tax collectors and prostitutes and their relationship and reaction to John the Baptist, and and we can recognize a little bit of ourselves in there as well. See, this is a parable that brings us back to the basics of faith, the very principles that are at the root of our connection into the kingdom of heaven. See, when we talk about being planted and grounded in our faith, what matters the most is not our track record. What matters the most is not what our heartfelt intent toward God might be. It's whether we have heard the word of Jesus, repent and believe and trusted in that promise. The comfort is we don't need to worry about backing up and proving ourselves to God. We just need to trust in his promise. He has sent his son into the world, bringing a word of grace and hope, saying, if you trust me, I can wipe away the imperfections of your past. If you trust me, I can be the one that bridges the gap between your insufficient strength and bring you intimately close to the one who created you. You can know your father and know him not as, a, as a, a, an authority who will punish you because of your disobedience, but rather as a loving father who will accept you in the midst of your imperfections, in the midst of your brokenness. You can trust in his word and by the power of Jesus, rather than your own accomplishments, be brought close to him. It's amazing how something so short and also so cutting can have a way of revealing our own deepest insecurities, our own deepest vulnerabilities, and then bring the joy, bring the grace and the love and warmth of a loving father of God, our creator, right into that place where we are most open to judgment and conflict, we are most open to to being punished, to being sentenced to an eternity of separation from God. And yet there at that vulnerable state, he says, now trust in my promise. Believe in my son who I have sent. Put your faith not in what you mean or what you do or what you say, but in what he has done, in what he has said, in who he is. Trust in the Lord Jesus And you will be brought close to God and planted and rooted and deeply connected into the kingdom of God as you live out your earthly days for the rest of your life and into the eternity of heaven with God. I hope that you have found the encouragement in this parable that is truly there. And we can look into these conversations that Jesus had with those who he had major issues with and recognize that we have a place at that table. But by God's mercy, we have a place of receiving his grace as well. Have a wonderful week. I pray that God would bless you and keep you this week. We look forward to connecting with you next time as we finish out our series over the next two weeks, Planted, the teachings of Jesus on the kingdom of God and what it means to live within it.